0: And you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film
1: hello everyone and welcome to slash film daily for wednesday march 6 2019 on today's show we're going to answer some listener emails in the mailbag this is slash film editor-in-chief peter soretta and joining me on today's podcast is slash film senior writer ben pearson hey what's going on and writer why Trend hey everyone it is raining hard here in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, How's the weather there in New York City, HD? It's
2: actually it's freezing, but it's not bad otherwise. We just had a bunch of snow the past few days, but now it's just the that's the normal dry freeze.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, let, let's dive into the mailbag. Uh, we earlier this week we we talked about um the Steven Spielberg Netflix situation how Spielberg's trying to introduce uh new rules into the academy to basically prevent Netflix from being eligible for you know most of the awards um and we we had a big discussion on that if you haven't listened to that go back and listen to that episode but at the end of that discussion I kind of asked For some, I asked the listeners out there to explain this to me because uh, we kind of couldn't see Spielberg's side on this. So we got a bunch of emails. I'm going to read a few of them. Uh, We'll start first with Austin from Dallas, Texas. Uh, He said that he leans towards Spielberg's side on this. He says that Netflix uh, or he says that the Oscars to him is uh, is a particular medium, just like the Emmys are. And Netflix was using a loophole intended for shorts and indie films to their advantage. I feel like they should have a wide release of their films to qualify. I don't know how you put the rules in place to not exclude indie films, though. So I guess the question to you guys is like is that a fair like if they were to put a stipulation in that like studio releases have to be wide releases is that fair
0: I want to hear what H.T. has to think because or has to say about this cuz I haven't heard her uh, her opinion on this whole yeah. thing
2: Yeah um this is an interesting uh subject that I'm still I don't really know how I feel about it still I am wary of Netflix as a company and how they treat their movies just because I don't think that having just putting their movies on the streaming service is a good way to advertise them or really make people see them as films. Like I know a lot of people who watch movies on Netflix um, and have having like don't have any context and just see it as like a Netflix film. And they do have like a lesser opinion of those films because they are like Netflix films. And so I, I feel like there's a, a sort of changing uh, dynamic with Netflix films at the moment. Um, and. Um, well,
1: I, I, to interrupt you really quickly i mm-hmm. do want to clarify it something we didn't say on our last podcast that i don't think netflix is trying to claim that their films that are not shown theatrically should be nominated for academy awards i don't think that's what's the question here it's it's the ones that they are actually you know giving a limited release like roma mm-hmm. and stuff like that like that yeah
2: yeah and the thing is Osc- films that are trying to get um, into the Oscar conversation, the Oscar race, do get those limited releases too. Like I've seen films, like foreign films especially, that are trying to get into the conversation have like a two-week release in just LA or New York. And that's something similar to what Netflix does with the films that they're trying to get for Oscar contention. So I don't really see like the difference with this particular question. <laughs> um, well, he, I but- think he's
1: suggesting that they should – that the Academy should put in a way so that independent films or foreign films, like the ones you're suggesting, could still have those Oscar-qualifying releases, but somehow, you know, studio films, which would include Netflix, would would have to commit to a wide release to, be, to qualify for an Oscar?
2: Mm. i mean that's similar to what uh can was trying to implement with netflix as well and that they're i, I can't remember yeah. the exact rules but they needed at least like i think a two month um theatrical like run time before they actually get to qualify to be in competition at Cannes. yeah so um that was something that netflix didn't want to abide by at first because they were going with their they were really sticking by their day and date release but it seems like they're reneging a little bit with uh the Oscars, too, because they did um, a two-week window for Roma in theaters before they actually hit, um, put the, the film on streaming. So um, what I'm trying to say is um, yes and no. I, I kind of understand what he's trying to say, um, and I do think that Netflix is sort of, I guess, sliding by by not abiding by all the other rules that studios do, but is it really that important for, like, do we really need all of those rules just for, like, Oscar contention? I don't yeah, and there's also,
0: so. th- yeah, there's also, I, I saw, um, I think it was Phil Noble Jr., the um, editor-in-chief of Fangoria Magazine, tweeted this the other day. And I would never realized this, but he said that uh, Ed Wood, the 1994 Tim Burton movie, was only in theaters for three weeks because it performed so poorly at the box office that the studio pulled it and then that movie ended up winning two Oscars. So I think the the conversation right now is Spielberg or I guess like the rumors I'm not exactly sure where this information came from but the the conversation seems to be that movies need to have like a a four week run in theaters for them to be eligible or something that that that's part of this conversation, this whole swirling series of events. And under those rules, even a previous Oscar winning movie from a major studio wouldn't have qualified, you know, Mm -hmm. not not even talking about Netflix at all. So uh, I don't know, a lot of this just seems sort of arbitrary. I I I
2: think on the other side too, one thing that frustrates me about like abiding by these more, I don't, Uh, traditional rules is that um the really phenomenal jennifer fox film the tale which debuted at sundance and it's like a proper film um was picked up by hbo and thus was categorized as a tv movie and was up for emmys and i think it could have if it had enough like Um, of a theatrical run or if it had enough buzz, it could have been like in the Oscar conversation. Laura Dern is amazing in this film and she only got like an Emmy nomination for it, which I felt like was unfair because this is a a film that debuted at a film festival and yet is being categorized as a TV movie because it was on HBO. So I think that it goes the other way as well. Well, I mean,
1: HBO could have tried a theatrical release of that, you know, Mm -hmm. like a two-week window to try to get that but the you know hbo doesn't do that uh i'm wondering do do you guys think that the academy should i i know this is opening a new door you know we don't need more categories but maybe like a best you know non-theatrical feature film category Hmm. Mm.
0: that's interesting uh then yeah i don't know i mean that that's sort of like the same conversation that we were having about the popular oscar thing is like yeah you know then then it might be seen as like a as like a lesser award you know like people could try to corner the market on on man this is such a complicated conversation yeah. i don't know
2: yeah yeah i'm leaning against it as well because it does feel like it's separating these films by a very arbitrary measure, like, whether they got picked up by a studio versus a streaming service, because, like, they could be of the same quality. Like, Roma, for example, to categorize it just as a streaming film feels like it is reductive of what that movie actually is.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to respond to Austin's question, and I, I I think you need one set of rules for all films, right? Like, I think... You need here's the qualifications to get nominated for any of these Academy Awards, and there can't be like, oh, well, if it's an indie, you only you only have to do two week. Do you know what I mean like that? That that seems BS to me. Like I I feel like a film should be a film should be a film, and mm-hmm. uh, if, if 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 it has to be a film, that plays theatrical, which you know has been what it's been for all of time thus far uh that's fine uh you know, have that two week limited role, but uh, I don't know, I don't see the advantage of extending that to f- four weeks because that could uh you know some of these smaller films uh you know your favorite film of last year h t mm-hmm. uh I think if you extended that to four weeks, maybe that would hurt some of those films some of those films can't afford that, you right. know. So, like, I feel like that would be doing them a disjustice, and I, I don't think – I don't know. I don't think you should – I don't think we should be, you know, separating two uh, uh, categories of studio films, and independent, you know, whatever. Um, okay, let, let's move on to another – we have a bunch of emails here, so I want to get to all of them. Uh, Langdon Kessner writes in uh, that he thinks it's important to know – he, he kind of felt – uh he was annoyed at watching film Twitter and seeing the argument going from Spielberg hates Netflix to Spielberg doesn't care about minorities. um, Both of which he says is not true. Uh, Quote for starters, it's important to note. I'm surprised this wasn't mentioned on the podcast. Spielberg was a huge part of getting five came back a documentary produced by Netflix. Uh, it, uh, It would not exist without him. So the idea that Spielberg just hates Netflix and, is a cartoon grandpa yelling at the clouds is ridiculous. Not saying that you guys pushed this idea, but social media did issue here is, is that the way Netflix treats their movies and more importantly, the theaters, not many of them have been given a proper theatrical release. And even the ones that do come with rules from the, from Netflix, we'll get to this in a second. Um, I do want to respond to this, like Spielberg, uh, hates minority like hates netflix hates minorities thing i i think we touched upon it a, a little bit but i don't think i don't think we were trying to perpetrate that um that line of thinking but i that line of thinking i don't think was even that spielberg hates minorities but spielberg uh i think the line of thinking that was coming from film twitter <laughs> being very i got to clarify there uh is that those stories don't belong on the big screen those stories belong on the small screen so spielberg getting five came back on netflix doesn't you know go against that line of 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 theory am i correct um and i'm not saying that we agree
0: upon that line of theory but like so you're saying that the, just the idea that Spielberg produced 5 came back doesn't offset the notion that he might have a blind spot when it comes to how difficult it is for yeah. minorities to get movies made? Yeah, I think that's correct.
1: Yeah. No. um and um and again, I'm not saying I don't like HD, you you haven't talked about this, but I'm assuming you don't believe that, right?
2: No, I do think that uh film Twitter per se has a has do, does have a point in that he has a history of like not quite supporting as many minorities as he does people who um, he kind of sees himself in. But um, I don't think that's like a huge like, yeah. know, character flaw. I think that he, or that like so, that's um, something that is like a big attack. Oh, what am I trying to say? It's not something that's like a big issue with Spielberg per se. It's like something that's maybe like, yeah, it's a blind spot, I think.
1: Yeah, it's not intentional. It's unintentional. I I think that he's just in his own bubble where he does not see how hard it is for groups that are not uh, white male to direct and have their stories told on the big screen. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stories are being told by a company like Netflix. You know, they're being very progressive about that. And let's not Let's not be, uh, let's not read this the wrong way. Netflix is not this good doer that wants to see diverse opinions out there. They're doing it because they want to make money and they see that there's a lot of, there is, you know, Hollywood has been missing this opportunity for so long. So they're trying to take advantage of this opportunity. So they're, they're not like, you know, Mother Teresa or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think that's the point here. Uh, But he goes on to say that um, the issue here is the way Netflix treats the the movies and, more importantly, the theaters. Not many of them have been given proper theatrical release and even the ones that do come with rules from Netflix. I want to respond to that because I feel like Netflix has said since day one that they wanted their films, you know, not even just the Oscar films, but – a a lot of their films to premiere in theaters day and date with the films, uh, you know, streaming on Netflix, but it's been the exhibitors who have been pushing, pushing back that. Um, Like is, is Netflix to blame here, Ben?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, you know, Netflix I'm sure would, would appreciate the, you know, the opportunity to put a lot of these movies in theaters. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm, I could be just, uh, projecting onto them. But from what I've seen before, with the idea that they've put out all these movies in limited release, it seems like they're okay with the theatrical experience. It's the exhibitors that don't want the movies playing on Netflix at the same time. And that's that's been the issue from the very beginning. So I, I think, you know, n- Netflix is trying to... Um, They want people to subscribe and and pay for their service. And the reward that they're giving people for doing that is having earlier instant access to these movies as soon as they premiere. They don't want it to be like a traditional home uh, entertainment release like the studios where there's a 90 day window or whatever. So, yeah, I think I think Netflix has shown that they want things in theaters as long as it can be on Netflix at the same time. And that's where the exhibitors have a big problem.
1: Yeah. I think also Netflix sees that many more people are going to see a film on Netflix in its first week on Netflix than would see it in a wide release in theaters. And
2: and Netflix loses money, too, whenever they try to put a movie in theaters because they do have to – because exhibitors don't cooperate with them. They have <laughs> to end up buying theaters, for example, to actually – or buying screens to show the, the films. Um, but I do think that um, – I do take issue too with like Netflix's really hard day, like day and day release because I feel like they, if they do want to, like I don't know, spread their spread their films and distribute their films more, then they might want to play more friendly with exhibitors rather than just kind of being like, oh, this is just how we make money. and This is where how we are doing things. But what um, what and advantage
1: also the- do they get from showing their films in theaters? Like I feel like if if I'm Netflix and I'm like. One hundred percent of my revenue comes from my, you know, the subscribers that subscribe to the service. Why put it in theaters where you are making subscribers? You know, I would say the mass majority of subscribers angry because then, you're like, oh, I got to go to theaters for a month to see it before it's on the service. You know, you are making it for us, and then you don't even make you know big millions of dollars. Like, what what is the advantage for Netflix?
2: I guess credibility. <laughs> um, that's the only thing that I can see, like that I kind of think of it as because um, there is that thought that Netflix films are are like lesser because they're not released in theaters. Like there, we've talked about this before where they have that kind of sheen of that straight to video yeah. um, sort of label, um, but putting in theaters kind of gives them more of that um, prestige in a way, um, even if it's m- monetarily um, like disadvantaged, Disadvantageous for them, so yeah, I don't know. It's like, and also, just I just don't like the fact that they are like not transparent. Both if they when they release films in the in the theaters and like they don't report box office numbers, in addition to not reporting their numbers for the streaming service too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm um, I have mixed feelings about this because I do. Like that—that that Netflix is able to reach more people through their streaming service, and that a lot of people who are low income and aren't available aren't able to go to theaters and see these movies are able to reach them on Netflix. But yeah, like like you were saying before, Peter, I don't think Netflix is Mother Teresa in their yeah. attempts to bring more people to movies. Oh,
1: not not at all. Uh, my question to you though is, do you think this is just a feeling that we have about Netflix movies now? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like. You know, 20 years ago, if HBO made an original TV show, we would or, you know, a a, a movie for TV like back then, there was more of a stigma there. Now, now when they have originals, you know, it's prestige stuff. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
1: um, you know, even honestly, even two years ago, if if you told me YouTube was going to make a TV series that I'd care about. I would have laughed at you. (laughs) And it was my favorite uh, TV series last year was Cobra Kai. Uh, You know, even when Netflix came into the original game, I kind of like blew it off and thought of it as much lesser than. And now, you know, I know they make a lot of bad content, but the best of the best is is up there with the stuff that's being produced on, you know, premium cable. So like, is it going to be just a matter of time? That we, we we like don't look at it as like lesser than TV movies?
2: Potentially. I mean, I do think that they have they're a great source for just like they for so much good content, good movies and TV shows, um, although they do have a tendency to just buy out everything. And I feel like a lot <laughs> of it is just the, the amount of things they're throwing at the wall. Of course, there's going to be some good things. Yeah. Um, but I I think yeah I'm curious
1: what the percentage there is. It's probably a very yeah. small percentage.
2: Yeah, I think they do need to change their transparency practices, like at least for me to um, embrace them more, even though I would never, <laughs> I would never delete my Netflix account because I rely on it so much. Um, I feel like in order to be taken more seriously, and to play ball with the with the big wigs as they're as they're trying to do now, um, they need to act more like a movie studio and less like a tech company.
0: It does kind of seem like a flex on their part. This entire thing, like, can we get away with winning an Oscar on? you know, uh, by playing by our rules instead of playing by everybody else's rules. And they won several Oscars for Roma, but not be, uh, best picture, which is what they're clearly gunning for. So it remains to be seen, I think for me anyway, whether or not they're going to do what HG said and like actually start to open up and, and, um, you know, try to gain a little bit more credibility in the industry or just like double down and try to like force that credibility by winning the Oscar on their own terms.
1: I I really wish Netflix would release figures and and stuff because I I really wonder does the Oscar matter for them? Like I do understand that it matters in traditional distribution and it does help any film that gets, you know, nominated or, you know, never mind wins, but uh, you know, gets a a boost at the box office from that, you know, award buzz, but I'm really wondering like Did that many people more see Roma on Netflix because of the award consideration?
0: I don't think it's about the movies at all. I think it's just about the prestige associated with the brand, right? I think it's like the space race right now with these streaming services trying to be the first one to win Best Picture. Like, Amazon came close with uh, Manchester by the Sea winning Best Screenplay a couple years ago. Um, And I think Netflix is just... You know, they they spent what it was like twenty five million dollars on the campaign for Roma, so they clearly want it. and And I don't think it's about oh yeah, if we win the Oscar, way more people are going to you know log into Netflix and watch Roma. I don't wait, wait, think they you, care you, about that at all.
1: You don't think it's about the money? I feel like everything driving this is about money.
0: Well, I think it's about them saying, you know, uh, boosting the brand and and creating prestige around the brand and saying. You know, we're Netflix, we've won X amount of Oscars, uh, versus look at what our our streaming competitors have done. And here's why you should subscribe to our service because we're a legitimate, uh, entertainment, uh, option, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I think it'd be interesting if Netflix just decided to say F it," we're we're you know we don't need the Oscars and just be like we're not going to release things theatrically until you know go back to their guns of like we're not going to release things th- theatrically unless we can release a day and date and give it to our subscribers at the same time that it hits theaters. Like I feel like <laughs> uh, as much as that would piss people off, I feel like that would be. Well, that would be the tech company stance, right?
2: <laughs>
0: they should give up on the Oscars entirely and create their own Oscars and yeah. call it like the Flixie yeah. Awards or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for them to still,
1: you know, buy a theater chain or do that. Like, I feel like that's going to be the future of Netflix is your Netflix subscription is going to get you both, you know, the streaming service and into, you know, seeing it in theaters. And if you don't have the subscription, you got to pay for the ticket which I think could be interesting. Um, And it would be a way for them to bypass all these, you know, all these troubles. Uh, Okay. We have one last question. This is uh, from Mark B from London. And he writes in with the suggestion, like he says, I wanted to suggest the way of diffusing the stupid spat over Netflix's place in the industry may be best served by just canceling the Oscars completely. (laughs) I think the world in general, although definitely not Hollywood, could su- suffer the tragic loss of the mass backslapping slapping um, effort, which is the Academy Awards. So Mark is basically just, uh, I guess, suggesting that they should a- cancel the Academy Awards. What do you guys think?
0: Blitzies, baby.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't cancel the Oscars. That's ridiculous.
2: I'm one of the few people who actually still love the Oscars despite the mess that, that was this year's awards. Um, because I always feel like it's a place to appreciate and love movies still, despite it being so political and despite it being all this just big, you know, pissing contest for a lot of people. I do think that it helps me like cultivate a love for movies and like learn about new movies. And um, I think it's an essential part of that. Yeah that circle despite it, you know, having that that being so poisonous lately. I just, yeah, I think you gotta
0: have, you gotta have the Oscars. It's a time capsule, if nothing else, it's, it's a, it's a cultural landmark and, you know, it's like one of the biggest traditions in the industry. And yes, it it started as a way to just sort of like placate actors because they were complaining about work practices and stuff like that. But it's become something larger than what it, what it started out as. And I think, you know, looking back on all the winners is like instructive and uh, educational and it, it it paints a picture of where we are societally that I think is important and I don't think you can just get rid of them.
1: Yeah, I think he's being a little facetious here. I, I, <laughs> I, I just wish um, the Oscars would, looking forward, I feel like I wish they would be more inclusive and not exclusive and I feel like that exclusive is what's turning people off mm-hmm. to the Oscars now and – You know, adding more rules to prevent the films that probably people are seeing more of these films than a lot of the films that are hitting the theaters. I feel like, you know, if if you want, what did you say? Like, it provides a snapshot of this, like, year? Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like looking back on, you know, last year, it'd be impossible to look back on that and not think about Roma. Do you know what I mean? Like, that was part of that year. And, like, I I feel like Netflix, as, you know, they get bigger and bigger and they're just – growing they're going to be more and more a part of that uh cinema conversation even if they aren't showing their movies in cinemas so i feel like i don't know i feel like the oscar the academy just needs to you know and steven spielberg needs to accept what the future is and not uh be so worried about uh the possible consequences to the theatrical experience but um you know what? I'm going to add one more question on here, guys. Um, we have one more email from Chris from New York City, uh, one of your neighbors there, uh, HT. And okay. uh, he writes in that like a lot of people on his Twitter stream, uh, he's basically um, – it's basically bloated with politics, hysteria, craze, propaganda, and other nightmares. So like a lot of people, I find I kind of hate Twitter. Uh, you guys talk a lot about film Twitter, something we mentioned uh, earlier in this podcast, uh, when people discuss filmmaking and movie news, and that sounds like a lot of fun. Can you give me any insight on who to follow, uh, lists to follow, et cetera, so I can nuke my current Twitter account and start over with film Twitter? So uh, what advice do we have to anybody that wants to follow film Twitter? Like, what even is film Twitter? <laughs>
2: That's a good question. I feel like it's not very like clearly defined, but once you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. <laughs> but I would recommend following all the writers of SlashFilm.com.
1: Yes. <laughs> um. I I think it's fair. Like, if you, yes, fo- follow all the writers of SlashFilm, and then like uh, m- maybe go t- and look at who they're following. You know, and it, a lot of the people who are following are kind of in that film Twitter bubble. It, it's funny that this guy wants to that Chris wants to get invested in film Twitter because I feel like film Twitter is generally used as like an insult, (laughs) right? Like it's not usually used positively. Like, like it's usually used to describe that like, you know, this bubble is like has this weird uh, viewpoint on something that the mass, you know, general audiences don't and generally
0: a bad way. Am I wrong? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess it is used that way. But there's so much intelligent writing that that is, you know, can be found within the, the, uh, you know, because it's basically just all of the writers for all of the websites that you read. Uh, That that is film Twitter to me. So, you know, people like Angie Han and and Joanna Robinson. And um, I mean, the the list is insane. And uh, I don't, I'm, I'm sure somebody out there has made a list of film Twitter, uh, you know, David Ehrlich. And, you know, I, I feel like if you follow if you, you can if you follow those people and maybe like Scott Wampler and. I'm trying to think of like a couple others off the top of my head and then just see who they're talking to all day yeah. and follow those people very quickly you will have the entirety of film Twitter because it's yeah. all like that's all everybody just talks to each other uh, and 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 argues about movies all day and and shares great stuff about movies and brilliant articles so I, I feel like there's a lot of good to be had in there but yes yeah, so like any other uh, societal grouping—it it certainly is a bubble and can seem like that when everybody shares the same opinion about something, um, and and it doesn't reflect what's going on in the larger uh, movie-going world. But uh, I, I still think there's a huge value to paying attention to those conversations, and, and because there's so much intelligent thought that goes into them.
2: Yeah, I've enjoyed being a part of film Twitter because of finding like-minded people who share my interests and share my just like passions for things. Um, so I think that even if there are drawbacks to that and that being in that bubble and kind of having that echo chamber, it's a lot of fun just to see to see and talk to and meet people online who are all passionate about the same things that you are, which are movies. But actually, I do have a recommendation for a list if um, you want to follow one. And uh, One Perfect Shot Twitter actually created a film Twitter TM public list which you can follow um so that's the uh one perfect shot twitter is just okay, that okay we,
1: we will put that in we'll put a link to that in the show notes just so someone doesn't have to like look all that up um to that list that you're talking about yeah um but i do want to warn you that like just because you're part of you know you're watching film twitter doesn't mean you're not going to get the politics and you're not going to get the uh you know the, the argu- arguing and hysteria like i feel like I feel like if I was a if I was a fan of Donald Trump, I would not want to be part of Film Twitter. <laughs> if if I was not uh, liberal, I probably wouldn't want to be a part of Film Twitter because it is a very one sided conversation. Um, so if you're listening to this uh, and you are of the the right side, may- maybe don't follow Film Twitter because there's there's a lot of opinions that kind of uh, ag- agree on things in 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 those respects, if that makes sense. Um yeah. Anyways, um you can find all of us on Twitter. You can find me at Slash Film. You can find H T what are you, H Tran Booy? H
2: Tran Bui.
1: And Ben you're Ben Pierce? Paris?
0: Ben pears
1: yes. Yeah. Uh you can find all of our work at slash film.com. This podcast, Slash Film Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, Please send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And maybe your letter can appear in the next edition of the mailbag. Uh, And please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention the email on the air. And go head on over to our iTunes page. Write us two sentences. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.